You're listening to the Activity Strong Executive Edition series on the Bridge the Gap Network. The live webinar series aims to promote, engage, and empower wellness directors and senior living executives to continue the conversations surrounding health and wellness in aging adults. Powered by Linked Senior. Before we start everything today, I, uh, I wanted to pause a little bit and, and for the audience today share with you something that I'm personally very excited about, which is Activity Strong, as, as you all know, it was, was built and exists to acknowledge the amazing work of you all, Activity and Life Enrichment Professionals, and, and to educate you and empower you on understanding how to best elevate the resident engagement experience. And one of the person that has been foundational to the success of this platform is actually Megan. And I wanted to share with you, the audience, that Megan has joined Link Senior full-time in uh, last Friday. And so we're very excited about that at Link Senior. You know, I've known Megan for years. She is beyond passionate about um, the aging industry, bettering the life of the older adults, and is a true leader in this field. So we're happy to have her join us uh, full-time and over time taking a bigger role with Activity Strong and being with us on camera today. So, Megan, thank you for the work that you do. Excited for what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, so, as I said, Activity Strong was uh, built with the idea of acknowledging, empowering, and educated, educating professionals in the senior living industry. This is part of our Resident Engagement Professional Edition. And two things uh, today, as always. As you know, our chat gets very busy, so please, if you have any specific questions for our amazing speaker today, please make sure to have it in the Q&A piece of, of Zoom. The chat, as you know, gets very busy. And so today we're going to be talking about social services and life enrichment equation equals success, how to collaborate for resident social wellness. And we're joined by uh, Janine Kinsey, who's the Director of Social Services and Enrichment at American Senior Community. Before we get started, just a quick word of introduction. Um, as Megan mentioned, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Link Senior. Uh, I've been lucky. I've always believed that old people are cool, and, and as importantly, our industry, senior living industry, is quote-unquote activity strong. These are values at Link Senior that we really believe in. So seven years ago, we uh, started this campaign called Old People Are Cool uh, for a number of reasons. Probably the biggest one is that we're just not big fans of this idea of segregation based on age. And it's also a fun thing to talk about. It's a healthy discussion to, to discuss that, to, to, to share that. And then, as I mentioned, when the pandemic started, we, we started this initiative in partnership with Activity Connection, uh, NAP, and NCAP. A little bit about Link Senior, the company that I uh, co-founded, we are a resident engagement platform for senior living. We're based in Washington, D.C., and we're very lucky, like we've been uh, doing amazing uh, work, and we now touch the lives of 45,000 residents across the U.S. and Canada. And so we serve independent living, uh, assisted living, memory care, and uh, nursing homes, including uh, the ones from American senior communities. So, Janine, thank you so much for this partnership. We're, we're proud of that partnership and just thankful of being able to work with you and your teams. The platform we provide just helps 
organizations further their work in terms of resident engagement. So there is a component on the left-hand side where we empower all of our team members to save time and engage residents. And obviously, we have a lot of data. So this is what we provide in the middle here, a uh, management tool in the form of a dashboard. And we really believe in the work that is quote-unquote evidence-based. So our, actually, our work was published in a peer-reviewed journal in 2019 where we've shown amazing outcomes, uh, for example, reduction of antipsychotics or um, helping people through behavior expression. But obviously, one big thing these days is increasing social engagement. So with that being said, a little bit of background. Let me get into the introduction of our uh, speaker today. And I was thinking a little bit of how to best introduce uh, uh, Janine's presentation, her, a little bit of her work. And I thought about this quote that I really like, which is that, um, you know, I'm sure that most of you, some of you might, be, might know the work of Abraham Maslow. He came up with this idea, you know, the, the pyramid of needs, right, hierarchy of needs. And here's this quote that really applies to the field, uh, to the senior living field, the senior care field, which is that a musician must make music, an artist must paint, a poet must write. If he or she is to be ultimately at peace with himself or herself, what a man, woman can be, he or she must be. And I think that when I think about this partnership um, of social services and activities, that is what we professionals in senior living seek to do, right? It's to help our elders, our residents, find purpose every day. And the more we have this team approach, as Janine is going to uh, uh, share with us, the more we can help our elders be who they must be. And so this is why I'm extremely, extremely excited to, again, introduce you uh, to Janine, uh, who is the Director of Social Wellness and, Enri and Enrichment at American Senior Communities. And uh, just for the little story, I've, I've known Janine for, I think, more than five years now, so it's been a true pleasure to work with you, Janine. Uh, I've personally learned from you a lot. Um, for you, the audience, I love to consider Janine's successes, and I'm sure she's going to be discuss this, but discussing it uh, further. But you know, in the time of this pandemic, as our national average of antipsychotics has plateaued, and we haven't made progress much as an industry, believe it or not, that Janine's company, under her leadership, has been able to reduce the use of antipsychotics by more than 2%. And I think it's worth highlighting just as an introduction because this is what leaders do, right? This, even in time of crisis, we innovate our way out of challenges. And so, Jenny, thank you so much for being with us today. I'll let you uh, take it over from here, but thank you for the work that you do and uh, impatient for this presentation. Thank you so much, Charles. And I will say about you, that you have inspired me and I have learned a lot from you over the past five years. I tell everyone that I am absolutely a social worker by training, by degree. And so learning about life enrichment and social enrichment um, has been a real evolution for me. And I learned a lot from you. So thank you for your partnership too. Thanks, Sydney. So it's great to be with everybody. It's great to see so many ASC folks on the webinar. So big shout out to you guys for joining us. So we will go ahead and get started. And I want to talk to you about this collaboration, because really when we talk about it, it really is um, 
derived from my position here at ASC, where I help to oversee both social services and activities and memory care. And as this evolved, I started thinking, why are all of these separate? Why do they all have separate goals? Why do they all have separate processes? It really has much more in common um, than difference. And so trying to reimagine this as Uh, true social wellness. So what we'll talk about today is how to collaborate, especially with social services, but we're going to talk a lot about how to collaborate with your team as well. So I feel like you cannot start any type um, of education or talk without thanking each and every one of you for not only what you do every single day, but what you've done in these past 18 months. Um, The ASC folks know that I get emotional every time I talk about it, but I'm going to try to keep it together today. Um, It has just been an absolute joy to watch the creativity and the dedication um, and the passion that you all have brought to our residents in just such a desperate time. And like Charles said, learning from this and having some innovation that's come out of this pandemic is just inspiring. So thank you to each and every one of you. You just cannot say it enough. So I wanted to start with my story. So one thing that I am very passionate about um, is learning people's stories. So you'll hear me talk at ASC about one of our programs called the Care Companion Culture. And it really talks about the power that everyone's stories has on their entire way of life, but especially on social wellness. So a little bit about me, I've worked in long-term care for a long time, since 99, that doesn't seem quite right. Um, And I have served at American Senior Communities for the past 11 years. Um, So as I said in the intro, I oversee the social services, life enrichment, and memory care programs. So hence my name, which we've made into kind of our new calling, is social wellness and enrichment. So I do have two teenage daughters, so I welcome any and all prayers for me. They're 15 and they're 13, and they look real sweet there, but that's not always the way. And I do have a little dog named Violet. She is always sweet. Um, I love Disney, and I love wine, and I love going on any and all vacations. And I am passionate about learning people's stories and valuing those stories. So a course overview. So what we're going to talk about today. So first, I want to talk about the historical models of social services and activities um, versus the goals where we'll talk about social wellness. So we're going to kind of look back, look forward. And next, we're going to talk about the benefits of that kind of collaboration. And really, I could have named 100 benefits of this type of collaboration. But for the purpose of today, I want to talk about three which are improvement in resident engagement, improvement in behavior management, and improved community life. And then lastly, I want to talk about how you can do all these things. So you may think as we're going through, like, this all sounds great, but I don't think I'm there yet. Um, We're going to end with how you can do this in your own community. So here's the old way. So you may relate to this kind of picture over here on the left of silos. So the historical model are that these these departments were all siloed. They all functioned pretty independently. Um, Each department had different goals that many times were conflicting. And I don't know if any of you feel that, but I remember feeling that when I was in the building that 
you know, nursing was over here with their goal of fall prevention or wound prevention or, you know, these kind of things. And I was over here with wanting to, you know, have people be engaged, have people be up. And so many times it felt like everyone was siloed with different goals and different functions. Um, I don't know if you felt this, but I definitely remember feeling that activities were viewed as entertainers, have to keep the residents entertained. And that was the function um, in that historical way. And then social services managed behaviors in a bubble. So when I was in the building, if there was a behavior, everybody kind of looked down the table at me and I went back to my office and I figured it out the best I could. Um, So we really lost um, all of those things that we know now are so important about assessment and root cause. And certainly I was not um, looking at activities as a primary intervention when it came to behavior management. So looking at what the vision is, go back one more for me, Charles. So what's that vision? And it really is social wellness. So combining these two um, departments into one that the goal is the prioritization of resident wellness. So everyone looks at how they contribute to that goal. So certainly our nursing partners and collaborators look at someone's physical wellness, their medical wellness. We're looking at emotional wellness and social wellness, but we look at this in a holistic and team-based way. And then that social services and activities department merging into one as social wellness with strong collaboration, goals and approaches that we will talk more about. So I just had a quick question about this because I know that at the end of your presentation, you're going to talk about how somebody like the audience can get started. But based on your experience, is this something that most of the time is initiated by social services or by activities or leadership? Like what's the first step for an organization to embrace that? Because it's a big change, right? Like to, to embrace that change. I think the first and the most attainable step is that social services and activities partnership. Um, You guys are very close already. Uh, Most have a great relationship. The goals are so similar that if you can team up in the beginning, engaging that team becomes much more attainable. So the other goal when we talk about our vision is not just this collaboration, but really an evolution of person-centered care. So looking at that old model of activities as entertainment and evolving it to life enrichment and social enrichment. Um, At ASC, all of our uh, life enrichment programs are based in domains of wellness so that we're not just entertaining people, um, but giving them an opportunity to meet those needs. And it really speaks to that holistic resident wellness. So everyone on ASC knows our most frequent um, program is physical wellness. Um, It's a really important part of a person's holistic wellness. So really evolving how we look at that from entertainment to that person-centered, you know, wellness approach. It also is looking at how each individual um, prefers to be engaged. So when you look at things in that old way of it's entertainment, that, you know, everybody knows works for me. I like those big groups and the big parties, but it does not work for everybody, especially uh, younger residents that we are admitting many times don't enjoy that group aspect. So if we look at that historical model of how many parties can I throw or how big of a bingo can I 
put together, we really are missing that person-centered basis for social enrichment. And then, as I said, one of the things that I'm the most passionate about is this care companion culture, um, where we recognize that priority of making relationships and connections with people kind of above all else. Um, that is the priority. And when we do that, we help to kind of balance those scales between emotional wellness and medical wellness. So if I asked all of you guys, is emotional wellness and mental wellness as important as, you know, medical and physical wellness? I think everybody would say, yes, of course it is. Everything we read, all the research says that that is as an important component of our whole wellness as just focusing on physical and medical. But how do we show that? Like, if you think about the time, um, the resources that we spend in our care settings, it is very unbalanced. It is very much tending towards um, a more medical model, um, focusing on the physical portion instead of that emotional and social wellness. So this type of approach, that person-centered care companion type culture, balances those scales to make sure that we're saying that those are equally as important, if not more so important. I think one lesson that we've learned from these past 18 months is the really tragic um, side effects of ignoring emotional and social wellness. So, and I realized that people made the best decisions that they thought they had to in the time, but we really saw such devastation to our residents when we took away um, the, some of those emotional and social supports that they had. So this really is a great time to kind of reinvigorate, um, especially when we talk about collaboration with your teams um, and with social services, particularly as your partners. So how does collaboration help? And again, we could fill up probably five slides with how much collaboration would help um, us, you know, as professionals and our residents. So we'll just pick three and we're going to talk about resident engagement. We're going to talk about behavior management, which is another one of my favorites. So I will try not to go too heavy down the behavior management path, but it is a passion of mine. And then improvement in overall community life. So let's start with resident engagement. So I want to frame this um, conversation through the last 18 months in the pandemic. Um, and this first one that's more buy-in equals more hands equals more resident engagement. And you guys all had to do some sort of innovation to keep your engagement going with all of our restrictions. And I'm going to tell you what we did. So our care companion culture, you know, involves department heads who are assigned to a group of residents. And I remember when the first lockdowns happened, me and my team looked at each other and we said, there is no way um, that our social enrichment professionals will be able to handle this. There's, it's impossible as far as numbers. So we very quickly pivoted and said, who can do this? And we said, it's our care companions. So we very quickly, you know, trained them, you know, how to engage with other people. All you folks at ASC, you know, you had to give them the activity plan of care to know what people liked. We very quickly trained them about um, psychosocial distress, what they were looking for, and the results were extremely good. I, I know Charles mentioned our antipsychotic reduction, which we're super proud of. I give all of the credit to this program. 
um, where we very quickly said these residents are going to need something and it is beyond an activity professional to give them. We have to increase the buy-in from our team. And this was the way that we did that. So how can we harness that buy-in? How can we harness that um, enthusiasm and continue it beyond a pan- pandemic, beyond an emergency um, so that we can continue to have those results because they were uh, astounding. So we also, with resident engagement, when we shift our focus um, from the IDT, those siloed, every department looking at their own thing to more holistic and person-centered engagement, we change the perception of what activities are. So that's one of the biggest struggles that we are going to have with collaboration is changing that mindset from when's your next party to looking at this as an important part of person-centered um, care, looking at it as a really important part about the person's overall well-being. So um, you can do that with individual reviews of engagement. It will redefine you know, what life enrichment is for our teams when we shift that focus. Um, We also want to make sure that we're identifying social wellness as critical to quality of life. And we all know that. We think that it's as or more important. I was reading in the chat when someone said emotional wellness begets physical wellness. It's 100% true. But when we think about collaborating, we have to sometimes lead folks to that path to remind them that social wellness is critical to someone's quality of life. So the more I find that we talk about it, and I'm getting ahead to some of our how-tos that we do, but the more you can talk about it, the more you can share, resident engagement becomes a higher priority for everyone. So Janine, we have a couple of questions that I do want to kind of surface. And for you, does does emotional wellness also encompass spiritual wellness? And have you had success bringing chaplains or other spiritual leaders in the loop for this kind of effort? Absolutely. So our life enrichment program is a domains of wellness space. So we include spiritual wellness in there, social, emotional, physical, mental, um, are all based in some of our programs. But the chaplain services in particular were something that we discovered as an innovation during the pandemic. So we had workforce chaplains that came in and worked with our residents, but also worked with our staff. And so that is something that we've kept and plan to keep um, after the pandemic. But absolutely, that was something that is critical, um, is that spiritual wellness component. So behavior management. So I promise I will try to keep this from going down the rabbit hole that I love. Um, But we all know when we talk about behavior management, what is the most effective way to prevent and manage behaviors? It's meaningful engagement. And I think part of the reason I'm so passionate about this is I have seen it over the course of many years be the absolute solution um, to what what behaviors are. So knowing that information How many times are you all involved in discussions about um, behaviors? And many times the answer is very peripherally involved. And yet we all know that the most effective way to deal with the situation is meaningful engagement. It just doesn't make sense. So how can we evolve that um, to include you as collaboration? 
Um, collaboration with life enrichment helps with better analysis of behaviors. I'm going to talk about how you guys in just your normal everyday life are amazing data collectors. And you may not think of yourselves as that, but you absolutely are. And the use of non-pharmacological interventions. Again, it's your whole job. Um, so you're an absolutely indispensable resource when it comes to this really important topic um, in healthcare. And yet, how do we um, use that to make sure that it's a functioning type system? So I didn't, you know, I was thinking when I when I was preparing for this your presentation today, you know, it got me thinking about this partnership that you're promoting between this partnership that you're promoting between activities, life enrichment, and social services. I mean, ultimately. The idea of that partnership is to, you know, also go and partner with nursing, right, like uh, our clinical team. Any comments you want to mention that on how to make that more successful, what you've seen on your end to be uh, uh, easier to grasp? Well, I think part of it is having a system in place that you can easily do that. Like anytime you have to be like, oh, I've got to go find somebody to talk to them about a behavior, it just became much more difficult. So I think the first thing to do is, you know, have a system that you can easily give and receive information from the direct care staff. So at ASC, we've got something called GIMBA. It's basically just kind of walking rounds where we're going and talking to people. So I think the first thing is insert yourself in situations that you've got that exchange of information. And then a big thing that we're going to talk about um, in the how-to, how do I make this all happen, is being a solution and presenting yourselves as a solution. So we talk about all these things that we know we're equipped to do. Do other people know that we can do those things and see that as a solution? So internal triggers for behavioral expressions, I have to talk on this because it is so important. And again, when we talk, like Charles said, when we talk about buy-in, when we talk about how to get people to collaborate with us, I think these are things that we should talk about so that we can easily connect things. Um, you know, the first one on here is pain. And I think we all know that how that can absolutely contribute to a behavioral expression. But I want you to kind of skip down here and look at boredom. Um, it's a significant cause. And I would say many times a secondary type cause for behavior. So even in situations where how many of you have seen this, you know, somebody walks by, they intrusively wander in their space, they react, and there's a physical altercation. So it's really easy for the person who reacted to say, oh, well, they got in their physical space. But I love looking at the secondary types of behaviors, because if Charles gets in my space, I'm probably not going to hit him, unless... I've got some other things that are happening that are contributing to my irritability. And that's where things like pain come in and things like boredom, sadness, and loneliness come in. It primes the person um, to respond to a trigger. And that's really where we come in. So whenever anybody has a behavioral expression, um, we should always be looking, doing a deep dive into pain and a deep dive into their level of meaningful engagement. So even if seemingly it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's a cue for us to really evaluate that person's level of engagement and their plan of care and say, could this be a secondary reaction um, to someone not feeling um, fulfilled and feeling bored or feeling sad? So supervision. Um, so what I had just kind of talked about a moment ago was 
being a solution. And we're going to talk more about this. This is a big solution that you guys provide, and you may not even take credit for the fact that you're providing it. So when it comes to behavior management, um, there is no substitute for supervision. So I get calls all the time, you know, with some sort of behavioral issue. Intrusive wandering is a very frequent one. What am I going to what am I going to do about it? And I can give you some ideas and we can certainly look at root causes, but there is no substitute for supervision, for knowing where your resident is and redirecting them. And think of what a huge asset you provide in your programs, providing that not only meaningful engagement, but that level of supervision just by being in a group space. Um, Things that will get your nursing staff's attention is when you say fall prevention. So if you're having falls, one of my big roles at ASC is that um, our VP of clinical services will say, we've got this community that has all these falls. And the first thing that I do is I go to that social enrichment director and say, let's talk about your activity program and what we can do to help collaborate here. It's the absolute first thing. Um, Like I had talked about a minute ago with the supervision aspect, This is an excellent time for you to be data collectors. So you are looking, you are evaluating um, how many of you, you know, somebody seems disengaged or fidgety or looks like they're getting agitated. You give them some type of engagement. It doesn't work. And what do you do? You give them something different. So it's that constant evolution of looking and evaluating and assessing people that you guys excel at and can be such a benefit when it comes to behavior management. And then I will also say about supervision, um, only because it is so critical, and I do want you guys to go back with the solution, but this only works um, if we are actively engaging in our space. So um, one of the communities I went to that was having a fall problem, um, and it was on our dementia unit, I went and they said, oh, we're doing all of our programs, we're doing them great, But the person was like sitting down at the table, kind of working with the residents, and it caused a total disruption in the supervision aspect of the program. So just by her, we got our little high stool, a countertop um, stool, and it really changed the whole dynamic of the supervision. So it's something to be aware of as you guys explore being uh, a solution in these situations. Um, to remember that aspect that you do have to be actively watching and engaging in the space. So, Jenny, we had a number of questions in the Q&A. Like somebody was asking slightly more details about the care companion. I understand Mm. it's something that you developed for ASC, American Senior Communities, your company. But do you mind giving a little bit more details about how it works, who leads it, and so on and so forth? Absolutely. Uh, You know, each company... Um, and each community has kind of their own brand on this. It's it's a customer service-based program. So like our old um, system was, I think, like customer care type program. And it basically is um, where you're assigned as a department head, a group of residents that are your residents. Um, and you go and check on them. You make sure that their concerns are uh, resolved. And what we did with the Care Companion Um, is our old program, and you may feel this way too about your program that you have in your community, it was very task-oriented. Like if I was Charles' companion, I'd go in and I'd make sure his trash can was empty and his bed was made, and somehow that was supposed to make sure he had a great day. 
And we just felt like there was a real disconnect between that task type base that might work at like Target, you know, if you go and make sure the store is right, but it didn't work for us, you know, in our space. So the way that we changed it really was we kept the model, which was, you know, it was a department head, you had this group, um, but we changed it to focus on connections, relationships, finding out about you, um, making sure that my interactions with you focused on who you were. So if you were my care companion, you would talk to me about my daughters, you know, and my dog. And when the last time I went to Disney was. So that's what the care companion is. So each company has something similar that you can kind of tweak um, with those person-centered additions. And I guess I have a question about that. So in, in each community, who's the owner of that care companion model? So say, you know, we have residents that move in and move out, like that update of that process, is that social services? Like who leads that? The administrator. The, and that, oh, the administrator. That was a okay. big change that we made because it used to not be that way. It used to be that okay. it was a social worker. Um, we used to have a customer care coordinator who might do that. We might assign it to someone else. And we felt that if this was as important of a program as we said it was, that it had to be the administrator. Yeah. So that was a big change for us, but that's who owns this program. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's great to have the buy-in and the leadership on that. So as we talk about how meaningful engagement can help, I wanted to draw your attention to kind of three things. Because again, when you go back and propose solutions, these are three things that you can really look at when it comes to behavior management. And the first one is time of activities. Um, So your IDT and especially social services should always have an awareness of what the trends are when it comes to the times that behaviors are happening. And we can use those trends to plan activities. So sometimes we do the opposite of this. So we look at behaviors that happen in the evening time. You often see um, an increase in anxiety from our residents when that happens. Um, There's a lot of care being provided that sometimes can cause distress. And yet how many of our programs extend into those times? So sometimes it's more feasible than others um, to add those those activity programs during those times, but it's definitely something to be aware of and be constantly evaluating in this new partnership that you're going to have that should be part of the dialogue that you have. Um, And then next is location of activities. Now, this is something that I think everybody had to be very good at during COVID. So we couldn't have everything in the big dining rooms anymore, in the big activity rooms. We really had to look at where we could engage our residents. So that is something definitely that I would say we should keep as we evolve out of this pandemic. So one of my favorites was the hallway activities. We did that absolutely out of necessity. There was no place else to engage. But I don't know if you found um, what we found, which was all of a sudden more residents started participating because they didn't have to get dressed and come down and be with a bunch of people. They just had to go to their doorway. Um, So that was a really interesting phenomenon. Um, If you had something similar, think about how you can keep that even when you don't have to. Um, I think about some of the classic that I hope we're doing away with some now, these big nurses stations where we pile the residents around there. And then we're really shocked 
when residents start hitting each other. Um, and so that's a really good time to look at the location that, you know, either we've got to clear those residents away from that nurse's station and get them involved in activity, or maybe you should do an activity at the nurse's station. So really rethinking um, those traditional places that we hold activities. And then my last plug here is about mealtimes. So mealtimes, anytime you trend um, behavioral issues, there's always this plague um, around mealtimes of people getting agitated, people yelling out. In worst case scenarios, they start hitting each other. Um, and if you really think about that trigger sheet that we put up before, we're ticking a lot of those boxes. Um, people are hungry. Um, they're irritable. It's sometimes loud. There's nothing going on. So they might be bored. Um, and then throw into it that mealtime is a big task for a lot of our residents, especially with dementia. We're asking a lot of them to sit still, to eat, to focus on um, something for a long period of time. So that's a great time to look at a pre-meal activity. It absolutely changes the dynamic. It kind of goes back to this whole initial uh, what prevents and manages behaviors, meaningful engagement. If you do an activity at pre-meal, um, you'll be shocked at kind of how it changes the dynamic. It's a good experiment if it's not something you've done before and if you struggle with behaviors in that dining room. There's so many questions. I just don't know how to prioritize. I'll just pick one or two here. You know, one question that came up several times is, you know, we know, I mean, I know that you work in, in mem you know, you support memory care and, and long-term care. What are the biggest, biggest differences that you've seen in these different levels of care? You know, there's way more similarities than there are differences. So I will mm -hmm. say that going into it, I would say the biggest difference is that person-centered diversity when it comes to what someone's looking for, for meaningful engagement. Um, I think when you look in traditional long-term care, you tend to see a lot of people um, who very much prefer independently based activities, um, mm -hmm. who don't benefit or want to participate in groups. And so it does have a very different set of challenges for a social enrichment director that potentially a memory care leader might not have whose primary focus is groups and it's very structured and things like that. So that is one of the biggest differences, but there are a lot of similarities. Um, we rolled out our new social enrichment program during the pandemic, which when I look back at that sounds crazy, but we did it because we thought it was really important, but we modeled um, our program off of memory care because we wanted to acknowledge that those domains of wellness um, are the same for humans um, and that many things don't change. You know, many things change when, uh, when folks get dementia and have to live in, you know, with that disease, but many things stay the same. So we modeled a lot of it um, to be similar, but that's probably for me, the biggest difference is there's much more diversity in how to meaningfully engage um, that population. So I think you guys um, have seen what valuable resource you bring when it comes to behavior management. So now how can you use your knowledge of each resident um, to contribute to managing and preventing um, behavioral expressions? Um, so you can absolutely answer these questions. What does each resident find meaningful? You know that information. Um, how can you participate in the conversation? So I think that's the biggest part. You have the answers. 
how can you participate in the conversation without it being overwhelming? So we'll talk about that when we get to the how-tos, but think process-wise too. Um, Like I said earlier, if you have to go out of your way or make a special um, trip, things will get lost. So we'll talk about that, how you can make kind of touch points. And then what kind of education can you give to the staff? Uh, when we had our behavior meetings, uh, when I was in the building, we had the big one with all the doctors and the pharmacists and all that kind of stuff. But we had one right before, and there were only three people in it. And it was me and the activity director and the unit manager. And it was an excellent behavior meeting. Um, A big part of that was the activity director. She could answer all these questions. What can you do to engage the resident? What do they like? What are their triggers? And then what kind of education can you give the staff? And they could go right away and start talking about all of these as behavior management strategies, just a powerful, powerful resource that you guys have. And then the last one is improvement in community life. And I add this one um, because there's no better time to talk about it. Um, And I also think it's a powerful strategy that will get people interested in collaborating with you. So that first one, staffing, recruitment, and retention, a national plague that we have currently that seemingly no one is immune from. Um, And I want you to think about the impact that resident engagement has on employee morale. I will say that mission-driven employees need to see, not just want to see, need to see and participate in social wellness. So look at the picture. And I will tell you that all the pictures from this deck are from ASC. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end where I collect these, but look at that group of employees. Um, They're happy. They're excited to be at work. Um, So in this situation that we have, when you could work at 20 different places, probably within a five mile radius of your home that probably all pay pretty similar. Would you rather work at a place where residents are engaged, where fun things are happening, where they get to participate in activities or in a place where there's nothing going on or one person has a group of residents that you guys sit and talk to all day? I think it's such a powerful tool right now. that if you go back to your leaders and say, I think I have a good way to participate in staffing recruitment and retention, they'll probably be very excited to talk with you. Um, But it absolutely is true. Um, So it's a great thing to think about when it's community life and how you improve that. And then resident and family satisfaction is next. Um, Resident and family goals, as you all know, revolve around quality of life as their primary motivator. So you, you know, you definitely, they want people to be well. They definitely want their health conditions to, you know, not deteriorate if possible. When you talk about what motivates a family member, they want the person to have a good quality of life. So I'll give you a good example. Um, That was just a few months ago. I had a family friend contact me and they had um, someone they went to church with that went to our communities that were not happy at all. Um, They did not think we were doing a very good job. They complained about everything. And of course, then when you complain about everything, the community gets annoyed and they weren't doing their best either. And really all we changed, um, you know, they were having staffing issues just like everybody else. 
So all we changed was we gave him a care companion and we had that care companion relay to the family member all of the activities that they had done that day. And I asked him to take a couple pictures, you know, of some of the artwork that they'd created or the walks that they took outside. And it absolutely changed the entire conversation with that family. So, you know, instead of this back and forth arguing, all we said was, we just want to make sure your dad has a really great day. And that's what we want to share with you. And that's really all they wanted to hear. Um, It really did change that whole dynamic. So you can use that with families. Um, Residents with chronic dissatisfaction often is a result of a mood problem. And that's where social services and life enrichment, you guys come together to say, how can we make this person's mood better? Social services, you guys can evaluate, you know, depression indicators, do your PHQ-9s. And then life enrichment, you can say, how meaningful is the person being engaged? So that collaboration can really affect someone's satisfaction as well. Yeah, Janine, I just want to kind of bounce off what you're saying, which is that we, w- one of the things that I like to always mention is how sometimes <clears throat> activities in life enrichment, we're just not very good at getting credit for the work that we do. And I know you said it before, but I think that the more we do that and tie that to what our administrators, administrators or ED are trying to do every day, and right now it's all about staffing and occupancy, the more successful we'll be at it as an organization. So thanks for saying that. And again, reiterating this idea of getting credit for the amazing work that we're doing anyway. 100%. So how do you collaborate with your team? We've talked about how important it is, what all can happen when you do collaborate. And now let's talk about some strategies that you can take back with you to help with some next steps for this collaboration. So the first one, like I had said, the absolutely best place to start is with that social services director. So this is actually two of my faves here at Maple Park Village. This is a social worker and an activity director, and they're collaborating on, I think this was um, a birthday dinner that they were giving to one of our residents, but they're the best person to start with as far as a partnership. So you want to start by scheduling touch points um, for collaborations that help support your goals. So I don't want the takeaway that you guys have to go like invest hours of your time sitting in a clinical or morning meeting that you wouldn't normally be in. So is it after that meeting, you guys have a touch point? Is there anything that you guys discuss that you need help with today or um things like that. Behavior meetings I talked about, you should absolutely be involved in those behavior meetings. It's an, you are an invaluable resource um, when it comes to that process. So that's a definite that you should start with, I would say immediately. And then do you need scheduled times during the week where you and social services sit down and collaborate? Talk about the week, talk about residents that you're worried with, talk about concerns that each of you have. So if you schedule those, um, you will start to see that kind of collaboration come together. So it does feel very forced at first, especially if this is not something that you're used to. But that's why I say make sure you schedule it, put times on your calendar, um, very systematic times that you touch base with that other individual. And then I love setting goals 
for success? Because sometimes it can feel like you're investing all this time and do you see payoffs? So set some goals between the two of you. Is it you want to start tracking the number of behavioral expressions that you have to see where you can make an impact? Um, I like to use linked senior utilization. Um, You can look at that as a community as a whole. You can look at it by resident. Um, I love looking at that utilization because for me, it mirrors how much we're prioritizing engagement. So you can look at something like that. That's a metric that you can set a goal for. Um, It could be improvement in your program. So you could start looking at the number of residents that are participating in your program. Um, and start setting a goal for that. And then mood indicators. You guys could set goals, but I think it's important for you guys to get on the same page and set some goals that are important for both of you and see what you can achieve. So here's your IDT. And we talked a lot about this is be a solution. So you can go back to your IDTs and identify ways that you can be a solution for resident wellness, and then ask them to assist you with that execution. So we talked about fall prevention. Weight loss has been a huge one for us at ASC. It's probably the area that we struggled with most during the pandemic as we saw rampant numbers of weight loss. So that collaboration to encourage you know, nutritious snacks, who are residents that we're worried about that we can, you know, encourage to go to these activities where we can encourage that type of, of intakes that can be super powerful. Um, staffing, we talked about recruitment and retention. How can social wellness help ease the burden of staffing? You know, we've seen that at ASC is that when someone goes into critical staffing, we start to overhire for activity assistance because we know that residents who are engaged you know, don't feel those burdens of a staffing crisis as much as if they were not engaged. So think about how that can help ease that burden and then insert social wellness into the grievance process when it comes to concerns from residents and staff, as we had talked about. And then direct care staff collaboration. So I love this picture too. Um, You know, it's great to communicate with, collaborate with your IDT. It is the ideal situation when your direct care staff collaborates with you. So the first thing is to communicate and in-service regularly. Um, And by regularly, every day is ideal. So again, every day, even a quick round to say, hey, here's what we have going on the calendar. What can I do for you? Is there anything that you're worried about is an excellent first start. Um, You can also start scheduling things monthly and really just talk to them about the basics of your program. Here's where the calendar is put up. Here's the types of things that we do. Here's how I can help you. And then the secondary part to that is collaborating on individual issues. So when you ask a direct care staff, you know, is there anybody that you're worried about, any behaviors that you're worried about that? that collaboration will really help them with the direct care staff because they'll start to see you as an answer and a resource and a solution. And then the next one is, as you can see from the picture, is to make it fun, especially now like staff need fun and encouragement at work. I know I do. I know that you do. Um, So include our staff in those larger celebrations when we do have parties. It's a great way. And then think of like creative ways to kind of uh, bridge that collaboration. So I loved giving out like little tickets when people brought uh, residents to an activity and then you do a drawing for something fun. 
um, highlight individual staff members' talents so you can see this lady singing. So maybe you can highlight her in one of your programs. And then here's what Charles was talking about, about bragging, promoting yourself, sharing what you do. So this is one of my favorite parts of our new program. Um, It's called Wellness Spotlights. That's where I got all of these pictures where you share the great things that you're doing. And it does a lot of things, but one of them is it does inspire others. Um, I know that there are people at ASC that will wait until Friday afternoon to get my email where I share all the amazing things that you guys have done all week because it's an inspiration to them after a really long week. Um, So the more that you can share your successes, it helps people prioritize engagement. It helps them remember that social wellness is really important. Um, So this is a practice that I really would encourage you. It's it's quick, it's easy, um, but it's a really inspirational way that helps people remember that this is important and a priority. And Charles, I think I'm right at time. So I don't know if we have any questions. Well, let let me just say that we have tons of questions. So uh, we did address some of them as you spoke. Um, You know, I think that some of them, actually, I did have a question on it. It actually came up a a few times. You know, one of the unfortunate consequences of the pandemic is that some of our residents aren't as excited or don't want to come out as much as before, like out of their rooms. And I was wondering if you had any kind of you know, you've seen something to be more successful than others. Some, some, any advice there? I would say we have to find out why. So we've okay. had sometimes where they have not wanted to come out and it's because they were scared. Um, so yeah. in that situation, we really looked at what our infection control processes were. We made sure that the labels were on the floor, that we fully enforced that everyone was in the right PPE, that we were socially distanced. So I think you've got to find out why we had another community that that wasn't the case. Um, It was that they didn't want to come out. It wasn't interesting to them. They had discovered all this cool stuff to do in their room and that was not interesting. So then that became changing the types of programs that we offered. So I think that is a common phenomenon that has happened, but I think there are varying reasons why that's occurred. So the first is to find out why people feel that way. Thanks, Janine. You know, I uh, I think the best thing I could do is probably share your contact here on this slide for everyone to ask that question because be, there, there were many questions about the dynamics of your care program. Um, some of them had to do with, and I think we addressed them, but people were asking if you had locations that were still going through the pandemic, like COVID, and, you know, you, you do, right? You still have yeah. COVID? And, okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. You know, for, for me, the, the amount of question is always a good sign of how um, how interesting and how timely your, your presentation is. So kudos to you, Janine. I want to reiterate um, and congratulate you again on, on the amount of successes you've had, including but not limited to, you know, the, the reduction of antipsychotics that you mentioned. And I think that your topic and your work has been, the, the importance has been highlighted through this pandemic, right? We can't be siloed. We can't work on our little department and so on and so on. And we can only, we, we can't address the preferences and, and build person-centered care without this interdisciplinary approach. So um, so thank you for, for sharing that. You know, I don't know if you were reading some of the comments, Janine, 
but you have a fan base here, and not all of them are AAC people. No, but seriously, you had a bunch of people that were saying, I want to work with you, I want to work with you. So I think, you know, it's, it's a nice sign. It's a good sign of, of the relevant, is that an English word, relevancy? The, the fact that your work is so relevant. So thank you so much, Janine. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah. I do have one last question for you, which is, if you had like a magic wand, I know that you love Disney, right? So magic wands is definitely in your wheelhouse. But for you, you know, as you oversee so many communities, as you have the privilege of supporting so many team members that can impact so many lives, what's the one thing, you know, in 2022 that you'd like, you know, kind of done or, you know, achieved? Hmm. If I could pick one thing and it's super hard, I would yeah. say everyone knows the resident stories and promotes yeah. that in any way that they can. I think okay. that that would fix a lot of our issues. Every, when we talk about holistic resident wellness, I think mm-hmm. that if everyone could learn who the residents are, what their stories are, and share that as prolifically as we share that someone's a fall risk, I think that things would, would be dramatically different for us. I'll try to look around if I have a magic wand for you somewhere. But thank you so much for saying this. Thank you so much for the work that you put into this presentation, for presenting it. And as or more importantly, for all the work that you do with your team, Janine. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, as a quick announcement, I want to, um, as, a, as we did last time, you know, uh, emphasize one of the current efforts that we have going on at Link Senior with Activity Strong right now is, I'm sure that some of you remember last year we did the Resident Engagement Index Score and we upgraded that tool where we found amazing outcomes, some of them I'm showing here on the screen. And we uh, were reading the effort, and we would love you to take this uh, a tool. It's free, it takes less than 10 minutes, and it's probably one of the best ways out there to assess how you're doing these days in terms of resident engagement with the idea to then improve. So please take the time to do this. Do this as a team with your leadership, your department heads, and so on and so forth. And then the second thing I just wanted to share is obviously our upcoming announcement, our upcoming webinars. And I want to place a special focus on the one that we have coming up, which is a chief engagement officer is a verb, not a noun, with Tina Sandry. She's an amazing leader. She's worked in different level of care. And she truly talks about, from her vantage point, as she is the CEO of the organization, how she uh, operationalized engagement every single day. And then on the right-hand side, we have our big events coming up December 7th, our winter gathering with an amazing lineup that we're going to be uh, sharing that actually Megan just shared here on the chat. We're very excited to be partnering with the the, um, uh, Validation Training Institute to do their first annual congress in February and obviously our uh, uh, our, our summit in June on June 21st. I also want to mention that Janine's work was recently uh, uh, um, advertised or promoted or just, um, I think you were uh, interviewed in McKnight, right, as a podcast and then a written interview. And I think that Megan shared it in the chat. So please feel free to consult this. It's a great resource and gives much more background, even more background in terms of uh, Janine's work. Everyone, thank you for joining. Megan, thanks again for the work that you do every day with us. And Janine, you know, kudos and uh, I'll uh, start looking for my magic wand right now. All right, perfect. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Thanks for joining. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Activity Strong Executive Edition series powered by Linked Senior. Find more resources and webinar information at btgvoice.com.